0: to, What's Your Hustle? In this special two-part episode, I'm joined by previous guest and friend, Larissa, as we take a deep dive into 22 things we've learned in 2022. With 11 things each, we talk self-love, building healthy habits, and the values we stand for. So let's get into it. Here's part one of What's Your Hustle, the things we've learned, with my guest. Larissa Kovalenko. Hey listeners, it's Lima with What's Your Hustle, and I'm here with Larissa Kovalenko. I had her on earlier, I think in season two, I believe, to talk about her hustle, but she's back because we did a lot of growing in two years. So we're ending this uh, 2022 year with something a little fun. We found in our talkings that we've done a lot of growing, and we both came up with this idea of, like, let's take 11 things we've each learned about 2022 about ourselves, and let's have a podcast episode
1: about it. Because we've known each other since we were kids. Like, our parents still live down the street from each other. Yeah. But, like, we drifted. We, like, as it just happened. It and, just happened. Yeah, but it was so interesting because when you asked me to do that podcast episode, it was, like, all of a sudden our past just, like... Paralleled and like starts going side by side like immediately yeah we started actively seeing each other like at least once a month or every other month and it's like every time we would hang out if it was like brunch or lunch or something it'd be like four hours later i'd be getting home and my partner would be like how was that i'd be like well we just talked about literally all of these different things we went deep we (laughs) cried we both cried or they cried or we laughed or yeah so yeah it's just it's cool to see how we can like go in different directions now, kind of find our way back other as friends, and yeah, also realize that we're both going through such similar, similar things. things and yeah. like learning similar lessons in different ways, and so yeah, I'm curious to see what your eleven things are. <laughs> you're, we you're, have not discussed. No, these we, have not. At all. <laughs> we have not at all. We've not gone through what
0: our eleven things will.
1: Be. We both took completely different directions. Maybe we are saying the exact same things. Stay tuned. She's like
0: looking at my notebook because I wrote it down and it's like, what the
1: fuck? this girl wrote an essay about I me mean, I have a Google Doc with like like at least like ten pages long. Okay, awesome. So like we're golden. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, you were the guest. Guest goes first.
1: Eleven things that we've learned, and for me, what I was thinking about this, and I want to talk about things that I've learned that I also feel like could be beneficial. Anybody that listens to this? Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess I'll start. Go ahead. So, the first thing I have on my 11 things that I learned in youtube is that you should embrace your birthright. Mm. And what I mean by this is maybe not where you think I'm going to take it, but I'm like, just get your freaking astrological birth chart read. <laughs> get your human design read. Do your astro cartography. Yeah. I know some of it is pseudoscience. Trust me, I was like the biggest like astrology like denier for the longest oh, time. Interesting. But in 2022, I had my birth chart read by mm-hmm. a friend of mine, and then I had my human design read by another friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And both were like eerily accurate and eerily transformative in me accepting parts of myself mm-hmm. that I had developed like weird blind spots about. Both my human design and my like birth chart like force me to just look at things about myself and accept them and mm-hmm. then like dig a little deeper. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: get your birth chart. Just
1: do it. It's yeah. like and find like an astrologer or find like a human design reader that like you vibe with and that you think are cool and give them a little bit of your money and just get it done. Because like worst case scenario, you get nothing out of it. Yeah. So what? Who cares? That's like an hour of your time for each thing. But I got weirdly so much out of it and like so much out of my human design chart. And I'm so grateful that I did it and just like open myself up to the experience. That is like one thing I learned is to not like write pseudosciencey weird things, things. and just, uh, just yeah. do it in general and like just keep your eyes open and like yeah. who knows what you might learn and like what path am I taking down?
0: And that's the thing too like i find that i know people kind of shit on this and like they make fun of people when they're just like dating or whatever and they're saying oh what's your astrological sign and whatever and to some people it's like a red flag like oh she's a hippie she's like into the moon and crystals and all this so i like no it, i don't think that that's the reason like i to an extent i believe in it like pisces crier cap i'm like pisces capricorn leo so, Pisces flow through and through, emotional, just how I am. Capricorn, sometimes, like, stepping and Leo, I think, working hand in hand, because Leo likes attention, and Capricorn is like, that boss-ass bitch, and I'm just like, these are two elements that I have not stepped into, but I know that now, at this age, and learning about myself, like, these are two elements that make me, me, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. Right? Like, stepping into your Capricorn of being, like, this boss-ass bitch and stepping into your Leo of being like, no, actually, it's not that I deserve this attention, it's just that my chair that I am building for myself at my table deserves as much attention as somebody who is already privileged. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think that stepping into those things of, like, these are your characteristics that make you a whole person.
1: Yeah. And it's like, if you, if you can see yourself or parts of yourself in parts of your chart, then, like, dig deeper and, like, let it inform you and let it be this sort of, like, symbiotic thing. Yeah. But, like, if you go into your chart and you're like, this isn't me. Like, none of this makes sense. I don't get it. That's fine, too. That is fine. But I know with, like, human design, like, I looked a little bit into it back in the day on my own, and I was like, cool, I'm a projector. Great. Like, all right. That makes sense. Really did it. Mm-hmm. And then I randomly had a friend ask for some, like, business consulting, and she's a human design reader, and then she went so deep into my design as a projector, and then, like, there's another offshoot of that called like your key. and as she was like going through it like it almost got to the point where I'm like I have to take a break because this is so you don't know me very well and everything that you're saying to me is like triggering something within me and it's been a really cool process of like just kind of like I said like a symbiotic yeah. relationship between me and that information and like looking at that information through like different lenses of myself Mm -hmm. because like sometimes it's not as obvious as you think it's going to be no like the same thing as like being a teacher like i've so long thought i was going to be a teacher in the school system but now i've realized i'm like no i can like teach and educate and lead in different ways that are more in alignment with who i am like that's something within me yeah i don't have to like put it into this job title of being in a school system like that 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 you know like those things don't have to be tied together but it can still be my truth
0: yeah. So, yeah. Because you can teach in many different factors, right? Many different things. Like, yeah. you're a dancer. What if one day you're just like, I'm a buddy? You own your own studio. Why not? You know, that's something you teach. That's something you do. That's something mm-hmm. that brings you joy. So, I think that people, the misconception of, because we're of the generation of the 90s, a teacher is someone with a formal educational background teaching in a formal educational constitution. Oh, what do you got? <laughs> that, um, not everyone is able to come with me on my journey. And that you're gonna have to do scary things by yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Not everybody and like case in point, so this earlier this year in May, I was privileged enough to be nominated as um Woman in Diversity as an influence award for the podcast, which props like thank you to everyone supporting and like the letters of recommendation and stuff like that. So I had invited my cousins to come with me to the event. The event was in Toronto, but either the week before or the couple days before, whatever the event, I'm like, Hey, remember we're going to this event, um, this day we're leaving at this time. Go on. So on and so forth. And I've never been to like a networking event by myself in at all. Really? Like I would go through like my, my career life. I would go through different things. Right. So by myself, flying to a whole other city, going Mm. to this thing specifically for this that has nothing to do with, like, my actual 9-to-5. This is something that I'm I'm building myself. They can't come. So Uh, I was, like, scared. I was, like, I have to do this by myself now, right? Like, go network by myself. Meet all these people by myself. Go to this new event by myself. I don't know what I'm doing, right? Like, Mm. sure, I'm in a city that I'm used to. I know Toronto. But, like, a whole different thing. And it just hit me so hard that, like... In order to grow, I'm gonna have to do things by myself and not everyone can come with me. You want people to come with you on things that make you, that are scary and things that will help you grow, but not everybody can. And it's gonna be in a place where it's scary, it's hard, but there's a reason that they can't come with you on that journey. Cause it's something you specifically have to do it by yourself. In order for you to grow.
1: Do you also think that sometimes not everybody should come with you on your journey? Yeah. That like sometimes you have to, even if you have certain people that are willing to like be there by your side, that sometimes you have to make that decision to like go it on your own so you can have an experience where you're like... Your experience is untainted by somebody else's energy. Yeah. And, or enthusiasm and or nerves. And yeah. where it's like where you are just responsible for yourself mm-hmm. and your journey. Yeah. And you have no influence.
0: Yeah. Some things you need, you absolutely need to do it by yourself.
1: There are times where you need your community to rally around you. Yeah. And then there's times where you need to rally for yourself. Yeah.
0: And can you do it like it's a true yeah. test of like do i have like going back into stepping into like who you are and confidence like with the capricorn and leo like do i have that confidence in me that i can trust myself enough to be on this journey by myself
1: yeah cuz i mean even if you do fall flat on your face it's like you're you're going to learn from picking yourself up yeah, it's like sometimes that that solo sort of mentality really does show you where your your weak spots are. Yeah. Too, right. If you go into something alone, like sometimes then you learn the the gaps that are still there in like your character or in your capacity, mm-hmm. and then you can you kind of figure out what work is left for you to do, which might not be as obvious if you've got like a safety net of uh, yeah. a community holding you up. And like obviously, there's like a time and a place for everything. But it's it's cool seeing especially you embracing these like new things. Yeah. That I would say like ten years ago there'd be no fucking Oh, I'm part of my fact. No. Um, but now it's really cool to see you like just diving in headfirst despite any fear that you might have. And yeah. like, despite wanting your community to maybe rally around you in certain moments so of being like, I don't need them. I can, I can do this. I'm going to do it. Yeah. So cool. yeah. Yeah. So another thing that I learned in 2022 is that addiction can show up in your life in ways that you wouldn't expect. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, uh, your patterns, your comfort zones, um, avoidance, daily routines, habits, I found myself in 2022 asking myself, How does addiction show up in my life and what part of me is it serving, slash keeping safe? So when I had my human design chart read, one thing that really surprised me and caught me off guard was that it was like my human design or my gene key, whatever, it was all done surprising. But it was like, what's your biggest shadow or what's going to be one of the biggest sort of sources of adversity that you're going to face in your lifetime? Mm. For me and mine, it was addiction. Mm. And I was really surprised. And now that I've actually like sat with that information for the last, I don't know, six or eight months, I'm not surprised. It makes perfect sense. Mm. Because for so long, I looked at addiction as like the relationship somebody has with the substance. Right. Um, or with like self-harm, whether it be like physical self-harm, whether it be like sex, whether it be drugs, whether it be, um, I don't know, like restricted eating, like obsessive exercise. And like for me, and I, I talked about this last time we were on the podcast, like I had an eating disorder and I'm like still in active eating disorder recovery. I had exercise obsession. I dealt with alcoholism quite rampantly in my 20s um and I don't know I think there was part of me that when I entered my 30s I had this like false set of confidence of like cool well I don't do those things anymore I don't restrict food I don't exercise obsessively I you know I don't get wasted like four nights a week cool like I'm fine but she was not wrong. <laughs> um, I've just, like, noticed and learned that, like, I've, I've replaced a lot of, like, big macro addictions for, like, smaller addictions. Really? Like, media consumption.
2: Yeah.
1: Like, disassoci- like, I was diagnosed formally with disassociation like, disorder, which mm-hmm. is, like, a form of PTSD earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And part of, like, a coping mechanism for me is just sitting and scrolling mm-hmm. on my phone. And, like, not just scrolling for, like, an hour, like, I can, like, lose track of half of the day Mm -hmm. and be, like, oh, Mm huh. Um, even habits with, like, you know, finding myself repeating certain cycles of employment and, like, taking on jobs that I knew were in, like, direct violation with, like, certain values and certain, like, even routines that, like where I thrive yeah but doing it almost as like a form of self mutilation. and then like getting home and being like well that was a terrible day like I'm gonna smoke a joint and mm-hmm. then I'm gonna watch five hours of tv yeah and then I'm gonna go to bed staring at my phone yeah that even though that that wasn't me hurting myself with like alcohol or two hours of exercise a day six days a week it's still a form of addiction mm-hmm. and I think the first step in dealing with addiction is just awareness yeah and acknowledgement and acknowledgement of like I am doing these things to avoid or resist or to serve a part of me that is experiencing fear or discontent or dissatisfaction Mm -hmm. but it's keeping me safe yeah I'm safe in it yeah. Even though I'm not happy in it, I'm not healthy in it, I, yeah. I can acknowledge that it's not good. I'm doing it for a reason. Yeah. And therapy has been the like catalyst to then get into those roots and get into those reasons and then to start kind of like working backwards from those in having that awareness before I go into like a coping mechanism of like smoking a joint or a coping yeah. mechanism of like sitting down in front of the television for hours instead yeah. of like. <laughs>
0: creating something or like
1: connecting with people it's like why am I doing this right now yeah and that's hard but no other steps can be taken until those steps are done consistently so yeah I think that's all I have to say about addiction that I want to be more aware and cognizant of how these like small addictions are robbing me of being present in my life Mm. and robbing me of making the best choices for my future self and we all have these like dreams of ourselves in these, like, future states of feeling certain things and experiencing certain things, but the disconnect really lays with, like, what are the steps that we actually need to take to get there, Mm -hmm. and how do we take those steps in a way where we're enjoying the journey? Mm -hmm. Because the journey is not the destination. No. It's the journey. It's the journey. But for whatever reason... The way that addiction really shows up for me is, like, disassociated from the journey. Yeah. And daydreaming about a future Mm -hmm. that I'm not actively creating. Are you fearful of the work? I don't think. I don't know if I'm necessarily fearful of the work or even fearful of failing. I think there's just a degree of safety that addiction grants you. Mm Mm-hmm. That keeps you really insulated in this like instant gratification Mm -hmm. cycle Mm -hmm. of like for me, I found that back in the day I used to really thrive if I set sort of goals in like six Mm month increments. It wasn't a huge amount of a time, it wasn't a small amount of time, and it was attainable and it was something to look forward to. Yeah, but somewhere along the way, I found I just sort of stopped that for myself and I mean I can see it being a product of like trauma and a product of uh, neurodiversity and like all of these things but yeah I just addiction is something that I think I will have to actively work against like swim upstream against hmm And I'm really proud of myself for at least seeing that. Yeah, that's the first step, really. To be at 33, to be like, I am an addict. Yeah. I'm not an addict in that, like, I need to put cocaine up my nose every day. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's where you are on your journey, do your thing. Yeah. It's not going to be great for your nose or your brain in the long term. And, like, you got to just figure that journey out for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But I do have, like, addict tendencies. Yeah. And that it's not, they're, they're never going to serve me. Mm-hmm. And so just developing, like, a softer, more compassionate awareness to, like, the roots of where it stems from has mm-hmm. been really, really beneficial for me. For As we
0: say it. that, we're, like, all over the place with this, we are, because there's not going to be any consistency.
1: Absolutely not. So, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. This <laughs> Number is, this two. is your, your fourth, your second lesson but our fourth of 2022. Yes, okay. yes. <laughs> um,
0: loving myself and how to love myself. Mm -hmm. What does loving yourself look like? Oh, my God. It is... No, no. Small questions. No small questions. (laughs) No small questions, no small answers. Loving myself. Loving myself means being okay with myself. Knowing my worth Mm -hmm. of myself. Knowing that... And adding tax. Adding tax to your worth. Add interest. Yes. All of it.
1: Sorry I interrupted you, but I just... No,
0: (laughs) add the interest. Because, like, it is more than housing interest right now. Yeah. To love yourself is more than a housing interest. Um it's one of these things so like this year was like the first year, twenty twenty two, my birthday was in March, that I did not feel sad about not having a boyfriend or a husband or a significant like other. Thank you, all And I I equated my birthdays and love in the past, to that, to be like, oh, it'd be nice to have someone celebrate me, yes, my friends celebrate me, yes, my family me. but to have that significant other, that partner to celebrate me, and him, like, planning stuff for me, or doing this, or doing that for me, like, I took for granted that my friends would do this for me, but the fact that I didn't, I wasn't respectful of them, I found in terms of like why do you need a why do you need a man specifically, like a partner specifically mm-hmm. to plan these things for you when you have your friends too. But I also equated that to like love and that I not that I didn't deserve love, but I'm deservant of a true pure love is to love yourself first. And so for me it's just some something like so this year it's the first birthday where I felt truly loved by the people around me mm-hmm. and not wanting outside love of something I didn't have like a significant other love. Yeah. I and, I and I know that's all over the place, but it's the first birthday where it's like, I am good enough and whole enough to love myself enough. And I think a lot of that has to do with the therapy that I did. Cause I was like ending therapy at that time too. And it was one of these things that, um, learning about my worth and my self-love is a big thing we covered in therapy because I felt that I was always vying for love and attention from everywhere from other people mm-hmm. and that has probably to do with the Leo in me as well mm-hmm. where I'm just like look at me I need all the attention mm-hmm. um, and being the oldest and, and and all that stuff and it was one of these things where it's like Learning that I am enough and more than enough to love myself and my whole love, if I can love myself, it opens up a door to like giving people the best love that I can give them. Because if I don't know what that means to me, then how am I supposed to share that with a significant other and and people around me? And so When I say, like, this is the first year I didn't feel like I was missing out is because I know that it's a love that when I do get it, eventually, it's something that I can give to someone because I have it for myself. And, like, it's the first birthday I didn't miss not having someone. I felt whole. Knowing how to show up for myself in terms of, like, what I like to do in the morning, my routines, and and how I want to show up in terms of working out like the things that I've learned in this last year I know like we talked about like doing hard things by myself and it's going on paths by yourself like I know now that like when I meet that person it's one of these things that's like hey I can share those things with you it's living in this like fullness of what of I can share this life with my friends, with my family. I can share this life with my partner because it's a full life. And it's not revolving just around. It's not depending and revolving around one person.
1: What I'm like hearing you say, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's almost like you're because you know you, Mm -hmm. you know how to be present and receive what's actually there in real time. Yeah. Versus imagining something that would make it better mm-hmm. or different and that that is what would make you whole. Instead, it's actually being able to see right in front of you everything that you've created and done for you, including building up this community of humans around you who are loving you in the best way that they can. And you being present enough to value and appreciate that exactly as it is.
0: Yeah. How to love myself is to be, like you said, is to be present. And mm-hmm. to be appreciative of, like, we talked, you talked about, like, the dreaming state of, mm-hmm. like, I'm always in this state of what could be and what is next mm-hmm. instead of being present. And to me, loving myself is being present and being mindful of. Of what is going on around me. Yeah. And appreciative of that. Because I'm not going to have moments like this, the two of us in this room, tomorrow. No. Right? Like, tomorrow, I'm not going to have moments where, like, we're recording this to my friends having a baby. And, like, if the baby's born to... I'm not going to have these moments back. Right? And to be mindful and taking it one day at a time is learning how to love myself one day at a time. And being patient with
1: that yeah and patience can be a, like a radical act of self-love because especially when it comes to knowing your worth and adding tax and expecting interest yeah it's oftentimes we get so caught up in the like love bombing like feelings that come right out of the gates with like romantic love yeah that we develop a degree of patience waiting for like the real love Mm -hmm. but then sometimes never comes once that like that love bomb kind of fizzles out and so yeah I think it could be a radical act of self-love to have patience in knowing exactly what you want and also what you bring to the table I'm not saying that you're not compromising but it's like Being able to figure out a routine that works for you and knowing that whatever kind of romantic relationship you enter into, you're not going to compromise that because that is you loving yourself and you have to love yourself and honor what works for you before you can add like a partner into Mm -hmm. the equation.
0: Yeah.
1: Because otherwise, if you're not strong, like in your tree trunk, the tree's just going to fall over. Oh, yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. And how do I have...
1: How do I have roots strong
0: enough to nurture everything around me? It's one of these things of self-love of like, how can I nurture? How do you give if your cup is empty?
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: And learning to me, self-love is how do I, how do I build that? How do I nurture? How do I put water in my cup? And learning that and like the journey of even, even giving love, and receiving love. Of self-love and then being self-love in terms of the physical aspect of my body mm-hmm. is something that I've learned this year, too. It's one of these things of, like, this is it. Like, this is my body. As much as I talk to my trainer about, like, I want to change my body composition, it takes time. Enjoy. It is your body. You are allowed to celebrate your body. You are allowed to enjoy your body. You are allowed to feed the bo- your body whatever you want to feed it. You're allowed to take care of your body however you want to take care of it. Mm-hmm. And the thing about self-love for me, too, in that physical aspect, is, like, this is it. All 5-2 of it is it. he is strong. She pulls herself up every day, like, from her bed, even when she doesn't want to go to work. She doesn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, she carries water. She carries a whole ecosystem in her body, to nurture life. Yeah. Right? Like, I, the biggest thing, I know that we are in this whole, like, movement of body appreciation and positivity, and it it's saddens me that that might go away because of social media still and, like, the influence that it does have. But it's something that needs to be celebrated. And for me, self-love comes from that, too. Like, because living in a place where I might not be the standard of beauty, right, based on, like, media and all that sort of stuff had has taken a toll, talked about the therapy. Like, it takes a beating on your self-conscious about how you look and how other people treat you based on how you look. And self love for me, too, is being appreciative of, like, I got this melanin in my skin that I was born with that no one can take from me It is this gem and pearl that is mine. And no matter how many people can pay for it, people can try as they might, nobody's gonna take it from me because not only does it represent, sure, the outside of my skin color, it represents my culture that I learned to love. It represents, like, the stories of my ancestors, right? It represents so many things, and I think that that also feeds into my self-love of the physicality and the perception of how I look because we are a society that is based on how we look, unfortunately. It is still out there. It's going to be there forever. because people see you from the outside first? Nobody is love is blind over here, looking through walls, doing all that nonsense. But, like, it's just one of these things of self-love, of being, like, I am a whole person, mentally, emotionally, physically. And learning about myself in that sort of way has been one of the greatest challenges of 2022 for myself. Of just, like, being whole in my femininity, specifically for myself, and being whole in, like, mentally, I am strong, I can give love because I know love for myself. It's one of the biggest, yeah, in self-love, that is the biggest thing that I've learned.
1: It sounds like you have done some, like, really incredible work when it comes to, like, pushing past just, like, self-acceptance. Yeah. And moving forward into, like, self-celebration.
0: Yeah. We need to celebrate ourselves. Truly. Who's gonna do again? If we can't celebrate ourselves, how do we... How do we teach people to celebrate us? How do we if we don't give know the what space
1: feels like celebration yeah. for us? It's it's almost like coming up with like like a self love love language. Yeah. Rather than like how do we love others? It's like like some people it's like, Oh well, I give lots of words of affirmation and gifts. It's like, Okay, but what do you what do you do for yourself? Yeah. How like and then what do you need to consistently do for yourself to keep that self love like at like a nice homeostasis, right? Yeah. It's funny because at one point you were talking about how like you have this sort of like like imagination dream thing of like what it would feel like to be loved on your birthday by a partner versus your friends, yeah, or versus your family, yeah. And I I've like been thinking about that since you said that because it's like it's. It mm-hmm. is different, mm-hmm. but it's only different if you're in a place where you can accept it yeah, and accept it fully and accept it exactly as it is and not be like, oh, I wish we would have gone to this restaurant and not that one. Yeah. Oh, you got me this gift. I wish you would have gotten me that thing. It's like, yeah. no, it's like if somebody is, is going to take the time and the energy to like show you through their language mm-hmm. how much you mean to them. Yeah. Even if it doesn't tick all the boxes of what you need to hear precisely, yeah. can you still feel it for what it is and be appreciative of it and yeah. grateful for it because yeah. you also love yourself? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. That's really interesting to me because I think back on some birthdays and my like, celebrations I've had of like, because as much as I love my birthday, I also have had so much like strain trauma and like big life transitions around my birthdays like heartbreak and injury and um big like life changes and so yeah it's interesting having you share all of that kind of in relation to like your birthday and yeah and also things that you've learned this year so (laughs) my um third thing has to do about work because, Lauren, we had a hell of a time when it comes to work over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest things I learned this year is that what is going to satisfy you in work that is not about the actual work. Mm. It's who you do it with, mm-hmm. who you do it for, mm. and the overall value system behind the work itself. That workplace culture and community, and your individual feeling of a sense of purpose matters so much more than whatever title you have, whatever salary you're making, and, like, the actual work that you're doing. And this came up for me huge in the last couple of years. I've gone through a couple of different transitions. I went from being an entrepreneur to... Being kind of like an event manager and event planner to then working in interior horticulture. (laughs) And I found myself kind of repeatedly in the same place where I would stick around in workplaces for longer than I was meant to because I found that my colleagues Like, if I had a colleague that I developed a really great rapport with, if I felt really safe in being open about my value system and had my values, like, respected in the workplace, that that's what kept going. That the work itself didn't really matter to me. It was like, who am I working with? Like, who am I excited to see at work every day? And can I just be myself at work? That's fine.
2: Yeah.
1: But when those things were being compromised, that's when I would really struggle in work mm-hmm. and it would be like a ticking time bomb yeah. for me. Yeah. Um. Like most recently I got a job working in interior horticulture, which I was really excited about because I have 200 houseplants and I grew up in gardens and farms. And yeah. I was like, this is going to be great. But right away, like, within the first week, I was like, well, these aren't my people. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. And then a lot of, like, outdated corporate stuff kept coming up. And I was like, cool, these aren't my values. But the work itself, I loved. Mm-hmm. I loved, like, rolling my sleeves up and, like, being in dirt. And then for a while, like, sparkles and ornaments <laughs> and decorations, moving my body and being active. That kind of work was what I thought I always wanted. Yeah. Not um, having to deal with clients and like face-to-face like customers all the time. I was like, this is, I can get behind this. Like my days would just fly by and all of a sudden they would be like, cool, another week down, another week down. Yeah. I can wake up at 8 a.m. for this. But the thing that just wore me out faster than I've ever been worn out before was working with people who are not like-minded mm-hmm. and in a workplace where Consistently, the values of the owners and the values of the company were in direct opposition right now. And it really opened my eyes up to understanding what I need in work and like what what red flags I need to be aware of and yeah. breakers I need to be aware of and what sorts of concessions I'm willing to make. Mm-hmm. And it's been really cool. And I'm no longer going to neglect the things that are really important to me. Even if they're not what's important to you yeah. or the next person, or yeah, because we're all so different. Oh my god! In like what we can and are willing to do, work-wise, to sustain ourselves, and I think for so long I thought that I wanted to feel and experience one thing, like working as an entrepreneur. Like I thought that you know being seen as like a successful entrepreneur was going to fill my cup. Yeah. I lots of variety in lots of, like, client and customer-facing positions was going to fill my cup and, like, lots of opportunities to get dressed up and, like, engage and, like, kind of put on a little, like, show was going to – but it didn't. Repeatedly, I would, like, feel so deflated. And I was like, what is going on? I am working in mediums that I love. Like, I was working in costume design. I was working in, like, high-profile events. I was working um, in nightlife and entertainment. I'm like, I love all of these mediums. But the work is so unfulfilling." What is going on? I stuck around for so long because I was working with people that I loved. Mm -hmm. And so even when the values started to kind of go and I started to see the sort of work I was doing differently Mm -hmm. and seeing how it was in direct opposition with my values, I continued to stick it out because the people that I worked with felt so good. And then it was like, again, I found another job where it was like, okay, the people are really good. The values are good. And then that started to degrade and it was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So it's, it's just really interesting. Like, I guess, I guess the ultimate lesson is like, what you need out of work doesn't have to be what anybody else needs out of work. Yeah. But you cannot ignore the way that work makes you feel. Cause that feeling's not gonna go away. No. And if you have enough privilege to take a beat and take some time oh, and try some different things on. Yeah. Do it. Absolutely. It's scary. It's oh, so God. scary. Unemployment is terrifying. Not having an income is terrifying. And like, I am so privileged and so lucky that I have had the support systems that I've had and that I've made the choices that I've made in the past to be able to like sustain myself. But like, I I am not giving up until I find work that feels holistically good and safe for me. For a while there, I really gave up. And I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> so yeah, that's a lesson I learned.
0: Like. <laughs> Do you find that uncertainty is just like a, like a big factor of why you stayed in places you should just...
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think there's, there's the uncertainty of, but if I leave, will I regret it? Mm. And if I leave, but like, The labor, like the newness fatigue of starting something new, and the labor of like, (laughs) so that was that was part of it, and I think also like one thing I've worked on in therapy that has really impacted my relationship with work Mm -hmm. is this persistent pursuit of being normal, quote unquote, that I from such a young age dealing with like undiagnosed neurodiversity, chronic pain, anxiety, and like not fitting into these normal routines yeah. that were thrust upon me as a kid. Like, school, really hard. Yeah. Organized activities, really hard. Friendships, yeah. really hard. I struggled so much to do these things that were normal. Yeah. That my, like, biggest goal as a kid was, like, get a nine-to-five and just stick with it and, like, make money and, like, pay your bills. Like, that's, that is success you just need to be normal. Even though I had this big screaming voice inside of me being like, but capitalism is a trap, and what's normal does not make sense. Yeah. There was still part of me that thought that I was wrong for feeling that way, yeah, and that felt like I had something to prove mm-hmm. by being able to do what everybody else does yeah. every day, day, five yeah. days a week. And I felt this way for as long as I, like, I remember being like seven, eight years old being like, what do you mean you're going to work again, dad? Like, this doesn't make sense. Like, how is this a life to be living? Like, I don't get it. But I mean, I guess that's what we have to do. And I need to be normal and I need to be a human like everybody else. So I'm going to, so yeah, as much as there's like a, a fear of the unknown, I think there's also a fear of not being normal and not meaning that I'm less than. Or incapable, um, weak, mm. all things that are big fears yeah me. So, yeah, rather than trying to, like, silence all of these thoughts and shove them down and, like, suffer, mm. I'm now trying to bring a lot of these things to the surface and just, like, looking at them and acknowledging them and, like, creating space for them in my life and then trying to build a life around me that honors all of this and that makes me feel really good. Whilst bringing in um, and sustaining myself. Right. Even if it's in an untraditional, abnormal way. Yeah. That doesn't mean that it's less than. No. It doesn't mean that I'm weak. No. It doesn't mean, but like, I, I'm still a little bit in progress of kind of like, figuring that out in my, and leaving this last job that I just left like, two weeks ago. Um, has been incredibly empowering and kind of like tying up these loose ends of mm. like being aware of all of these things about myself and rather than, like, pretending that they don't exist, being like, no, this is who I am. Interesting.
0: Yeah. As a person that is doing the quote-unquote normal job, <laughs> mm-hmm. it is one of these things that it's just like, how do you, how do I give space to do the things I want to do?
1: Balance. Balance. It's like... It's insane. It's such a...
0: Underrated thing.
1: It's It's such an underrated, yet, like, an essential pursuit of every adult's stability and happiness. And it's, yeah. Yeah. If if only we had, like, four-day work weeks, Mm. where then we could spend three days getting our lives together and doing the things that we love.
0: One of the things I have down here for my number three that my parents are doing and always did the best that they could. Because they don't know what we don't know. And they are never... I saw this thing again. um, Maya Bablia? The She was Blossom. The actress that played
1: Mm -hmm. Blossom. Yeah.
0: So she was saying on her podcast, um, she she herself has never been a parent to her child in the moment her child is now. Mm-hmm. So basically, my our parents, sure they were kids our age, but that was so different. Mine are immigrants. They were never 10 years old in mm-hmm. Canada and raising a 10 year old. They were mm-hmm. never like that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's one of these things where as I've, I've grown and into this year, they did the best that they could. Because they didn't, for for no matter where you are in your relationship with your parents, as you're an adult, when you move out, and there's that divide, I am friends with my parents now, mm-hmm. versus like, I saw this thing, um, the mental health tax you paid while you were living with your parents, because they say like, oh, I pay for this, I pay for that, I pay for these, this roof, this, this clothes, these, this food, right? Mm-hmm. How do immigrant children pay is in mental health? because they don't know like my parents are in the world of like they just immigrated my dad immigrated here in 83 my mom came over in 88 they had me like it's a whole new country a whole new world you're in the west yeah right and so to them they're with that that old school mentality that they're bringing over they didn't know how to raise kids who the hell knows how to raise kids
1: they also didn't have the same kind of familial supports and community that they would have had if
0: they stayed in their country,
1: and then you also have to look at that that incredible sacrifice and move that they made. Because, like, as you're speaking, I'm having this like interesting epiphany of like, I look at you as like the product of them. Yeah. And I am so, like, I'm going to cry, but like, I'm so <laughs> grateful for the job that they did in raising you. Oh, absolutely. Because you are like, I look up to you so much, well, I admire you so much, <laughs> and like, you've been such an incredible friend to me on and off of the years, that it's like, they did that. Yeah. And even though that's maybe hasn't always been your experience in being raised by them, because they are just people. Yeah. Like, they're human. And they yeah. they mistakes and, and very much the same as me. It's absolutely. It's like, I feel like you looking at me would say the same thing. Like, know, my parents have caused heart, trauma, whatever. They also made me I'm really fucking cool. You are incredible. So it's like Thank you. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's so interesting hearing hearing you say that, because yeah, that's the first thing that just like popped in my head. I'm like, but they did this. Yeah. And like all of all all of that led to this, which is so yeah. like you were spectacular. Thank so it's like even though our experiences yeah. with our parents be so hard, absolutely, and we have to learn to give them so much grace and compassion, yeah. and like just accept them mm-hmm. as these like sort of artifacts of their generation, yeah, and that they're doing their best. It's like also we turned out really cool, and we did, because of how much love they gave us and how much they sacrificed. Yeah,
0: us. and the thing is, I wasn't raised with money, like. Some of the people we went to junior high and high school with, they come. You knew they had money. Their parents had money. The pants and the <laughs> oh gosh, what else was trendy? The doll makeup, that all of it. I've seen <laughs> shirts, and yeah. sweaters, and even the
1: Gap hoodies at oh one my point, God. like you know, you know, their parents are buying them a forty dollars hoodie. You know
0: that they come from money, and mine and mine didn't. Um, And to see that the, again, the sacrifices that they made, they didn't make always, they never, to them, what they did, what they thought was the best choice. Yeah. Right? And the thing is, like, I, for, I forgive them so much for what I perceived was too much of tough love, right? But they didn't, to them, like, that is how they parented, and seeing my sister become a parent, and. And, uh, my friends become parents and just be like, to tell you the truth, I tell them all like, I tell my friend who's having babies and stuff, like, you're not gonna know it all. You're not gonna, and it's gonna look so different from how your parents parented. I saw this really nice thing my friend sent to me, and it was basically this girl from a brown household, and she said, I wish my parents didn't make the sacrifices they made, and they, they lived their lives a little bit more.
1: Isn't it wild to think about the people that our parents could have been if they were selfish and if they just lived the lives that they wanted to live? Yeah. Or it was like everything around them, when you think about culture media at the time, was probably informing them, like, this is your duty.
0: That nine to five?
1: Like, nine to five, and also to, like, procreate. Yeah. Like, that's it. And to, like, family. Like, advertisements and, and, like, we can get into, like, gender roles and everything in this conversation, too. But, like, that is what, how they were informed. Mm -hmm. So they did the best that they could do within that. And, like, our parents have completely different backgrounds. And, like, your parents came to Canada in, like, 1988. My parents moved to... Edmonton from, like, northern rural Alberta Mm -hmm. from farms around that time. Yeah. So they didn't really have a lot of experience with the city and, like, what it took to survive in a busy, bustling, like, metropolitan in comparison to, like, a rural farm where their closest neighbor was, like, five kilometers away, ten kilometers away. So it's like they were just learning based on everything that they were seeing around them Mm -hmm. and doing the best that they could to emulate and model that because that's what informed them as like this is what it means to be an adult yeah versus now it's that's it's so wild to think about like what does it mean to be an adult in 2022 in comparison to 1988 yeah you know
0: you know and they were our age that they are and a little bit older and in the 90s and like to think that we are for better or worse for the trauma the mental health the, the emotional abuse that you know, you go through with some families to think that we are still their wildest dreams.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right?
1: All of their dreams are coming true. Right. coming true through our experiences as their Absolutely. children. Yeah. And then
0: we can, we, I think I've said this before, if you're open-minded and willing to learn, mm-hmm. our generation that are in the 30s, mm-hmm. I don't shit on the younger generation. They're teaching us so much. Parents are non parents. Like I am learning so much from this younger generation, even on TikTok, that's really where my younger
1: generation yeah, comes from. Yeah.
0: And there's just the things of like setting boundaries and like setting expectations for yourself. Learning Having to love less yourself. Judgment
1: on each other. Less
0: judgment. And you know, just and to take that and to be like, Yeah, but we're also teaching our parents these things at this age that they are like my parents are in the 60s and I'm I will fiercely correct them like a lot of you know my friends and you like in the queer community I will fiercely correct them and be like mom this is how you say this this is how you say that and you know telling my parents like hey so and so are in the same sexual relationship so and so is trans so and so is this right so to tell them and be like these are my friends like, the younger generation teach me this. I'm able to teach this to my parents. So I think, like, being in this transition of, like, we are blessed that our parents are still alive, no matter how many mistakes they will make. Because mm-hmm. they are parents and they are human, but they will still continue to make mistakes, as we all will. Mm-hmm. Just to be able, in this unique spot, to be like, we can still, we are blessed to have them in our lives, to still carry on lessons. Yeah. And if they're willing to learn, because you can only learn so much, and if they're willing to learn it and accept it, there's so many things that we can teach them. And I think it's just in a beautiful, we're in a beautiful transition period it's in our 30s.
1: You know, as you're talking, I'm just like thinking about how, as a queer person, and i a person who has like, never really seen myself having children, but I'm not like opposed to it. I think about some of the people who I know that had kids at the time Yeah Like some of my friends who had like their first babies when they were like 20, 21 Maybe now they're in their 40s and like their babies are like grown And their babies have grandparents What that must be like to have like a a multi-generational family of like active learning and unlearning Mm. taking place of, like, the six year old grandparent all the way down to the, like, six year old, like, and nephew, mm-hmm. kind of similar almost to, like, you and there's and three your generations sister. in yeah. my parents' household, yeah. And, and the education that can happen in just like real time when you have that mixture of generations. Oh my god. That I don't have, and I don't really get opportunities to bear witness to, like, or even just like experience close mm-hmm. up. But, yeah, what that experience must be like for for people our parents' age that are directly engaging with, like, teenagers. Yeah. And that, yeah, that real-time feedback yeah. of, like, yeah, I don't know. It's hmm. unique. Maybe we need to find a friend that has <laughs> has uh, a big old family with lots of generations and talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> My um, number four is respect the things about yourself that you cannot change and make room for them in your own life. Mm. Um, I was diagnosed with not only like a disassociative like PTSD this year, but ADHD and OCD. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to just pretend that they didn't exist. Yeah. But, alas, I made room for these three things Mm. in my life. And I I feel like I know myself better than I ever have in any year of my life combined because of this understanding of these things about myself that I cannot change. Mm-hmm. I cannot change that I have ADHD. Mm-hmm. I cannot change that I have OCD. I cannot change that I have PTSD. Mm-hmm. But I'm aware of it, and I accept it, and I create room in my life for it. Yeah. And I also see how all three of those things have made me who I am, and how all three of those things kind of can act in unison as like superpowers. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think if I, if I think if I had that information at any other time in my life, maybe it would have settled it to me the way that it has. Yeah. But yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Embracing you. Embracing the parts of you that, that, like, on paper, like, think about it. If you are diagnosed with ADHD, you can go to university and you can ask for accommodations. Mm -hmm. It took me six and a half years to do a four-year bachelor's. And my GPA that I graduated with was embarrassing. Mm -hmm. And I wish, to a certain extent, that I had known when I was in my 20s that I had a PhD and then I yeah. could have asked for accommodations because I probably would have excelled in university if I had had a little bit more understanding of my neurodiversity. Yeah. But I went through that experience. It taught me a lot about myself. It was a challenge. Mm-hmm. And it's like, now that I see these, these parts of me so much more clearly and with so much more compassion and that, they are not normal and that I don't need to Mm. keep trying to pursue this like quote unquote normalcy that I have created in my head of like what it means to be normal and instead that this is my normal and that this is great and that this makes me really good at X, Y, and Z. Yeah. That it's just opened up life for me in a different way. It's made things far easier understanding. This about myself mm-hmm. even though they are disadvantages in a neurotypical world yeah i think embracing them and understanding them and celebrating them has made just like generally beautiful.
0: which is a beautiful thing because mm. to fully accept who you are with all your what others might deem other mm-hmm. right yeah all your Diversity is all everything that people seem like you said are not normal but like it doesn't change for me it doesn't change who I how I view you you're still my friend you're still yeah. one of my closest people in my life and I feel that people again need to just have a bit more compassion that that people are different we're different no matter how we learn no matter what we do it's just everybody learns differently everybody does things differently and I feel like in a society where people are just like, no, this is how, like, we go back to, like, you know, the influences our parents have, like, no, this is how you're supposed to do this. This is normal. Yeah. And people are not, still not on board with, like, the differences of others.
1: So one one thing that, like, ADHD has made me realize is that a lot of the time, the way that people with ADHD understand and like synthesize information is by relating information to something they already know Mm -hmm. so oftentimes if you're having a conversation with somebody with adhd and say you're sharing a story Mm -hmm. rather than that person being like tell me more about that like i i'm trying to learn about your story Mm -hmm. they understand your story by being like i went through something similar this is my story.
0: Associating.
1: Yeah, it. they do this like association, like leapfrog thing mm. in their brains to like synthesize the information that they're hearing. That's interesting. To like feel it in their brains and their bodies. And that isn't always looked at as like a positive trait in the workplace. Mm. Right? Like, if it you're looks having like
0: a selfish bitch right? Yeah, selfish. it
1: could be like, oh, well, you're so self centered, like, you only ever talk about yourself. And it's yeah. like, I am verbally processing what you are telling how me. How I need to understand it. How I need to understand it. And that that's okay. Yeah. And it's, and that, like, even in, um, like my OCD, like, a lot of people will make jokes about being a little bit OCD. You know, like, oh, mm-hmm. like, I'm just a little bit OCD about everything that to be in its place. But they don't necessarily understand how OCD can show up in so many different ways for different people. Yeah. And for me, it's a lot of intrusive thoughts. It's a lot of ruminating thoughts of where it's mm-hmm. like, I might leapfrog onto this one little lily pad mm-hmm. of a thought, mm-hmm. and I cannot escape that thought until yeah. I've circled it 18 times in my brain Absolutely. or 20 times in my brain in yeah. that moment. For me, sometimes it's like, I touch something and I have to wash my hands and then I have to wash my hands again. Yeah. And then maybe have, and it's just like, I for a long time was really embarrassed about those things and felt subconscious and didn't feel like I could be open because I didn't want to be judged for not being quote unquote normal. Mm-hmm. But the more space that I've given these parts of me to just breathe and just be, mm-hmm. it's almost like the less, less attention comes to them. Yeah, and it's just it's just who I am. Yeah, and that's okay.
2: Yeah, and the more
1: I realize that like so many friends in my circle are neurodivergent. Yeah, because we've like created closeness and connection through the ways in which we see and engage in the world. Yeah, um, even with queerness, like I feel like coming out as queer and then understanding what queerness is, to me, my definition of queer and sort of how I relate to it and where I'm still learning. It's the same thing. It's like certain friends have sort of like drifted in and other friends have drifted out just based off of commonality and common ground and like connection points in how we see the world. Mm -hmm. And it's funny how many queer folks I know that are also neurodivergent. Mm -hmm. Like that that intersection and that crossover is really common. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just trying to embrace more parts of myself that I cannot change. Yeah. And just figuring out how to work with them and set boundaries around them and, like, set myself up for success with them yeah. rather than trying to shove it all down and just be normal. Embracing, embracing who you are.
0: Mm-hmm. It's part of who you are. Yeah. 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 Uh where is my number? It is okay not to have everything
1: <laughs> I mean, wouldn't life be so boring if you just knew exactly <laughs> what it was going to be and how it was going to play out? It's like, then what's there to do?
0: Yeah, it goes back to your saying of like, I'm just going to just do this because corporate life is not for me. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to roll with the punches and I'm just going to, it's fine. It's going to be okay. And the thing I learned this year is like, I'm in a position where I like my job it goes back to where I like the people that I work for. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It's fine. It's a new job still. Um, it allows me the space to do this stuff, which I love like the Mm -hmm. podcast stuff and be creative. Mm -hmm. And the person I work for doesn't stifle that and finds, we find ways to incorporate that into my job where it makes me happy to be there, which I love. Um, Because, you know, being hired for, yes, my skill set, but also, yes, the type of person that I am in terms of where the company is trying to go is very important to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being, again, in that generation where we're trying to help the younger generation break those molds of having value systems in workplaces versus the value is your money and having the value of who you are as a person in the work system is much more, is as important.
1: You are more than just your labor. Exactly. You are a holistic, full person that is, like, contributing to an ecosystem in a workplace. That
0: wants to make it better. Yeah. So, and that's all said and, and fine and dandy, but knowing that, like, I have this job, sure, it's new, but also, you know, what am I gonna do? Fuck <laughs> you, you know that 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 adult I quote unquote adultness of like f- trying to figure out like, hey, what do you wanna do? You're turning thirty four in March. What's up, right? And for the longest time, I was like, especially in my twenties, it was like, okay, finish school, and you know, society and and all this stuff, and culture has stuff to do with it too. Of like, okay, finish school get married, have a bunch of babies, live life, pay your bills, do the normal, quote-unquote, normal thing, as we've talked about, because that's what our parents did. But then being in the generation of, like, hey, we don't have to do that. We're getting married later if we Mm -hmm. choose to get married. We are having babies later if we choose to have babies.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, It's okay not to have tomorrow figured out. I think there's a healthy balance between planning ahead and enjoying the ride, yeah. And I think your ability to enjoy enjoy the ride stems from trusting yourself, mm-hmm. which stems from Stop loving yourself. yourself, and
0: this Whoa, <laughs> Look at us. full circle <laughs>
1: embracing,
0: embracing yourself. yourself. Oh my god! <laughs> and that's the thing, like not I come to this like now it's you know when this is released december 2022 it's the end of december we're into 2023 going with it oh my god going with it because before my new job i was like fuck this i'm just gonna next year work at this place make buy as i can make by, sell all my stuff peace out travel right?
1: You had an escape plan. I had an escape rather plan. Rather than a life plan. Rather
0: than a life so plan. So you were
1: sacrificing present you. Yeah. Thinking that future you is what was going to make you happy. And yeah. And alas, it
0: doesn't fucking work It does way. not. And then you step out of the street, you get it by a bus. See you later. Bye. Bye. It's just, it's okay not to have it figured out. And I think like, it's okay just to sit. It's okay just to be like, you know what? That is, that is not a right now thing. And it is fine, because right now, in the present, in this moment, I am healthy, I am surrounded by people that love me, I I am blessed to have a roof over my head, I am blessed to be strong and doing independence, because independence is freaking hard, I am blessed to do these things, and it is okay if you don't have it figured out yet, and I think being... 33 going on 34 a lot of people struggle with that
1: it's wild how i feel like this existential middle life crisis is hitting our generation early early and i honestly think that it has to do with the fact that a covid robbed us of two years two years b climate change is here. It's happening. Especially like living in sort of middle class middle upper class Canada. Watching all of these things happen around the world where we're relatively insulated Mm. but how they directly have impacted us in terms of like inflation. Yeah. And our cost of living and how many of us have had to sort of reevaluate our timelines of certain achievements that we've thought about reaching based on our now inability to access things financially yeah where we have traded so much of our lives like our labor for paychecks for security that i think it's caused a lot of us to reevaluate like what security and comfort actually is gonna look like, mm-hmm. and whether or not that's even gonna be available to us.
0: Yeah.
1: When we retire, if yeah. we get
0: to retire.
1: Yeah. Like not to turn this like conversation into this like existential apocalyptic, but I guess <laughs> just where everything goes if you talk to me for longer than an hour. Um, but yeah, I think, I think this sort of like need to be present and enjoy the ride as it's unfolding is more important now than ever before. Yeah. Because of all of these things that are happening that are kind of almost hard to to even understand the full weight yeah. of like somebody like Trump being elected. And running again. And running again. And then all of the trickle down that has happened. It's like I was listening to this podcast yesterday being like, if Trump was version one, what is version two gonna be? And what is version three gonna be, right? Yeah. And so I think it's, it's really beautiful and really important for walls who are in our early thirties and going through this like early middle life crisis to understand that it's not just us, mm-hmm. that we're not to blame in it. It, it really is society as we you know it and anticipated mm-hmm. it to be is changing before our eyes yeah and we're responding in real t- time and some of us are handling it better than others yeah but like we really now more than ever before have to just stay present and just accept things as they are yeah and, like not figure everything out because really now more than ever nothing's guaranteed yeah like democracy is not guaranteed oh god as much as we all grew up thinking it was it's <laughs> like oh now, I think we finally get it. And yeah. We're feeling the implications of it. So. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. My number five is kind of like a heavy one. Yeah. So, we're, and it's, little, it's little, a little, it's a little all over the place, but okay. we'll get into That's it. Fine. Um, so, in 2022, being diagnosed with like ADHD and eating PTSD and all these beautiful, mm-hmm. fun things. Yeah. Um, These diagnoses resulted in me having to ask myself am I being my authentic self or am I performing and fulfilling a narrative? The biggest way that this showed up for me is reflecting upon how hyper feminine I was in my twenties. So in that hyper femininity. I felt powerful. Mm-hmm. I felt a weird sense of control in being perceived as very feminine and very beautiful and very thin. Um, but I reflect back on those times and I realized how much I was like constructing this like almost performance of femininity. But I wasn't really being myself. Mm -hmm. I was being what I felt like I needed to be to be accepted, Mm -hmm. to be valued, to be validated, to succeed, to fit in, to be normal. So many of my themes have to do with this like pursuit of normalcy and like deconstructing it. Yeah. And it was a really hard lesson for me to learn because I think there are still ways in which I find myself performing or acting in ways of making decisions, making choices to fulfill a narrative or an idea or how I want to be perceived Mm -hmm. rather than just being. Mm -hmm. And so uh, all of this tangent kind of comes down to me being like I deeply value when I can be really authentic yeah. and be the truest version of myself. Yeah. And that is something that I no longer want to sacrifice in in the future. Mm-hmm. Even if it is with the intention of feeling powerful or feeling in control or whatever, I was miserable in it. Yeah. I wasn't self. Yeah. And I've realized how important it is and how validating it can be when it's like you enter a room and you have a conversation with a stranger, and rather than trying to like be cool or be something, you're just yourself. Yeah. And then you're heard and seen as yourself, yeah. and then you can go back and forth, and somebody else's themselves with you. Yeah. And then you can like you can build this real, genuine connection, mm-hmm. rather than it being oh, you like me because you think that I am this haha I won because I was trying to be that yeah there's this fucking song on Taylor Swift's (laughs) new album called Mastermind which I feel like really defines like this whole sort of like lesson that I'm talking about that I've learned but I want to move forward into my country letting go of these scripts that I've written for myself Mm -hmm. and I want to just write my script in real time Mm -hmm and continue to, like, understand my gender, and continue to, I guess, just, like, overall unmask, like, it's something that neurodivergent folks do a lot of the time, is, like, mask, we try and mask as neurotypical, mm. rather than just, like, showing up as our neurodivergent selves, because, like, mm. society is built in this, like, neurotypical yeah. archetype, and, like, gender norms, right, like, feminine, yeah. I have always felt so masculine on the inside, mm. and, like, have always been seen as somebody who's like very loud and really opinionated and like all of these things and for a while I found my like self often clashing with other people because of that natural trait in me and so I found myself trying to fake it and soften mm. and like be more natural mm. and more is that yeah and it's like Sometimes that's natural to me, Mm -hmm. but in the way that I was
0: doing it for a long time, it It wasn't wasn't real. It wasn't,
1: it was an act. Yeah. Because it was like, oh, I don't want to be perceived as bossy
0: and too much. Yeah.
1: So I'm instead going to, like, dial myself in Mm -hmm. and write this script of, like, this version of myself that will be accepted. Yeah. And now I just don't really care that I'm openly accepted. Because the people that accept me are my people, and the people that don't get lost. Yeah. And and or we can find middle ground to just learn what we need to learn from each other and then like mm-hmm. move on but yeah so yeah. shed the scripts that you're writing for yourself Absolutely. and just work towards showing up with like authenticity and honesty yeah So
0: There's not one. that's great it goes into my next one beautifully actually wow look at that who you are will change is that your next one? yeah the path you are yeah. in and who you are will change I found when I was little, a tomboy, everything, right, everything that people are like deem as masculine energy or whatever. Um, so I was like a tomboy. I mean, you knew me, baggy shirt. We were the product of the '90s, baggy shirts and pants and
1: bold cuts, bowl
0: and, bowl cuts and, and everything, right? How um, many times I've I was mistaken as a as a boy when I was getting my like flu shot, and I would get so mad at it. Um. But then, and then I was, like, in my 20s, and I honestly, this kind of irks me a little bit because in the society, I guess, and when you look at media, and you have these people, like, actors, let's say, and they're dating, they're in their 40s, and they're dating women in their 20s. And I look at myself when I was in my 20s, and I'm like, what business would I fucking have dating year you? Because I didn't know who I was. The path that I thought I was on was the same. Like, I go back to, like, having babies and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Because you're in your 20s. I, I identify with the female, more of a feminine energy. That I'm like, this is my job. To procreate. To be a mom. To be wife, yeah. To work. Yeah. Right? That was it. And being okay with the fact that my path changed in my late 20s to 30s. Was hard because I was sad that I didn't have those things. Up until like last year, I was sad I didn't have this. Did you feel like you failed? Yeah. Yeah. I felt like I failed. Even up to like maybe last
1: month. Wow. I thought I failed. Okay, when I ask you, did you feel like you failed? Did you feel like you failed yourself, like your parents, society, all of the above? Myself yourself never my parents
0: I, I could never fail my parents I know that mm. I could never fail oh, that. that's amazing. society I don't care anymore fuck society I, I don't care like what do you want me to do do you want me to go find some person on the street that will disrespect me not be around not be the type of father that I can build a family a co-parent that I can build a family with and trust to protect my child, right? Even if we're together or not, that is such a big thing to me. Like I'm just like
1: smiling at you. Because <laughs> I'm so proud of you. I have this like stupid grin on my face. You can't see me. I'm smiling. At you. I'm so proud of you because I know the work that you had to do to get to this point.
0: Yeah, it's myself that I was told. I was afraid to fail because you know. Turning thirty four, I'm in my prime reproductive years. Only got like couple more years before
1: geriatric pregnancy. I was literally told by an OB/GYN that we should be freezing our eggs halfway right. an eyes. So yeah, and oh. I've thought
0: about that a lot now. Like so, next maybe in the next three years, freeze my eggs. And the thing is, before that decision even crossed my mind, I'd be like, no, it's gonna happen. But I get older and older. And it's it's not about the number of age. It is literally your body. Females, our bodies are made for a purpose. And if you don't fulfill that purpose, your ex do get old, and it is harder
1: to have conceive a baby. Hold on, it's also like a safety issue too, yes. because it's not just the health of the baby; it's the health of you and your recovery time, like injury, all yes, of that,
0: all so. of the things. Yeah. So yeah, I did. Think that I was failing myself, but that was a path that I had to realize. It's not a path that I'm on right now because it's not, I'm not in charge of the path I'm on. I don't believe that, anyways. Mm -hmm. Things happen in my life for a reason, and the path that I'm currently on of this, like, self love is always gonna be there because it is a tool that I've built into myself, like any tool you take
1: for therapy. And you choose to use it as a tool. It's interesting how hearing you say that, I think about that is something that you will fight to maintain. Oh, yeah. But then there are other things that you accept are going to change. Oh, yeah. And that are going to ebb and are going to flow over the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years. My
0: self-love can. Change, ebb mm-hmm. um, and flow. It is something that I need ingrained in me because I know how hard I worked to get to this point, mm-hmm.
1: and how much that's going to continue <laughs> to carry you forward. Yeah, and how that's going to help you continue to trust yourself. Yeah, as the world and options and paths and whatever come your way, chance and opportunity is like. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's my number. What? I Five? think. Five yeah. Wow, we're almost at the halfway point. Almost, we're almost there, guys. <laughs> Thank you for listening to What's Your Hustle. We'll be back with part two on December 29th. And until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at What's Your Hustle Podcast. Subscribe, listen, rate, review on Apple Podcasts. Follow on Spotify, as well as anywhere else you stream podcasts. And until next time. Whatever your hustle is, you got this.